0: Hey everybody, welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and as always, but it's been a while, my right-hand man, Dale Dempsey. What's up, Dale? How's it going? It's going. I was planning on being in a dress shirt today, but I had a meeting outside, and it was really hot, (laughs) and I was soaking wet, and I couldn't wear my shirt, so I'm really casual today. For everybody joining us on YouTube, good to see everybody. For those of you that are listening on iTunes, welcome back. We took a little bit of a hiatus candidly, not for any reason other than we are really, really, really busy. Yeah, I
1: took a summer break.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that where you were? Right. It's been crazy busy. We're just doing a lot of business with some clients all over the country. And I think it's actually poignant with the topic that we are going to be talking about today. And that is the mindset shift of the financial advisors within the space. So I thought we'd start off our conversation today about what's happening in this space. I know we've talked about it loosely over times with COVID and we're sort of tired of talking about that, but maybe coming back. So, But there has been a real mindset shift within the financial advisor space. I would say it really shifted sometime mid-2020 when everybody was stuck at home. Everybody was realizing, hey, I can do this I don't have to be in my Merrill Lynch office or my Morgan Stanley office or whatever. As a matter of fact, not only can I do this, but I'm doing it better than before, more efficient. And so I think that there's a shift that we're seeing in the country. I still think that some advisors are learning how to be new entrepreneurs. I think that's really what we wanted to talk about today. And that is that entrepreneurial mind shift
1: going on. Well, there's a difference between being a business owner, and then being an entrepreneur. The way I see it, entrepreneurs are all about risk. What risk are you willing to take? And these are people that thrive on risk. But to your point before, the mindset shift really started happening around Q3, Q4 of 2020. It's settling in. I, I can do this on my own. And so coming into Q1, really the beginning of this year, we're starting to have many more conversations with advisors who are now ready to talk to their clients right? coming into this year. They've been thinking about it for a year. And then 2021 arrives and they're saying, okay, look, things are kind of getting back to the place where we can meet face-to-face again. Maybe I should take this jump into being a business owner, being more of an entrepreneur. Frank, you can give us some insight into this. So we, we kind of know the forecast, right? So we've set that up, but what kind of skills you think most advisors, like what's the skill yeah, set
0: for? It? Yeah, what are the skills, right? And I think that you're making a great point. Actually, I think there's three types of financial advisors within the space, right? There's really, so business owner is one, it's really number two, and entrepreneur is number three. The first one really is a practitioner. If you are running a business, but you're at Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, any of the W2 firms, you're a practitioner. If you're not writing the check for the rent or the utilities, or when your thousand dollar printer breaks and you have to go out and buy another one, if you can just walk down to the corner office and tell your branch manager that you need a new printer and it's just taken care of magically, you're a practitioner, you're not a business owner. When you start writing those checks out of your personal operating account, now you're a business owner. You may not be an entrepreneur, but you're definitely a business owner. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts that we've seen. That's like the first shift where I'm just I'm not saying Merrill. I'm just picking on Merrill Lynch. They seem to be the getting the most abuse lately. The, the most large teams leaving that firm right now from the bigger wirehouse firms. If you are in that space, I'm seeing that big shift where advisors are realizing I can do this. They're sort of graduating to the business owner phase where they're getting comfortable with an eight or ten thousand dollar a month lease paying for utilities and paying all these things and looking at a P&L and seeing all the line items and you think about their complaint about being at a wire and getting nickel and dimed. But when you are a business owner and you look at your P&L, there's all sorts of line items. That's like, in a way, being nickel and dimed, but that's what happens. And so there's an education that goes on that we're seeing and that you're mentioning that we've seen this year, starting last year into this year, where those advisors are starting to get comfortable with the idea of understanding what a P&L looks like as a business owner, understanding there are expenses that you have to pay. It's not just about getting a 90% payout. There's all sorts of
1: stuff in there. that You control, though, but that's the difference, right? From a skill set standpoint, you think that's a big attribute for advisors, an advisor who can control, it has the gut for it. One of the attributes is the ability to not get overwhelmed
0: with Looking at expenses that come in that they've never seen before, I use always use the example of of printers. And if you have drums that you have to replace, those are expensive, relatively speaking. If you've never had to deal with that before, you might start thinking about this. Would explain why my branch manager was always getting on my case about printing reports in color that weren't going to my clients because you burn through drums, and those are four, five, six hundred dollars to replace. When you start to understand how that works and you get comfortable with that. Yeah. You don't get shocked when you look at the P&L or pro forma when a firm shows you a pro forma and you see all these line items. Okay. Thinking about that, what about the advisor? crash course in accounting if you, if, if, oh, if that's, I was got, you. yeah. I tell my wife, I said, as a business owner and an entrepreneur, I said, I wish I paid more attention in college to my accounting courses.
1: Yeah, but it's never that interesting. They don't really tie in why the accounting is important because there's no, as far as I know, at least when I went, there wasn't a, hey, you want to start businesses degree. You're an entrepreneur degree. That didn't exist, but not to get off on a tangent. I was thinking about from the standpoint that you're an individual advisor, you're on a team. Do you think that makes a difference as like a skill set being able to attract talent? Or does it really matter if you're, I want to say solo advisor. I don't know if there's a better term yeah, for that, but-
0: No, it, it matters. As a matter of fact, at the meeting I was having today, I feel like I was being baked by the sun. One of the things that came up, and this is a good example of these guys are learning how to be business owners. The entrepreneurial piece, we'll get into when you start talking about other types of revenue streams that you can add as a business owner, where in order to do those things, you have to Be more comfortable with risk, like you're saying, right? I talked to a friend this morning, and we're talking about something in particular. And I said, it was a client who became a friend, basically. Welcome to entrepreneurship. You have to learn how to be comfortable with a certain amount of risk, right, to do things. But to get into the understanding of what it means to be an entrepreneur business owner and have a partner, the topic came up today about, well, and I'll just say Bill and John. We'll just use those names. So Bill is the guy that travels a lot. John, not so much. Bill has kids, his family, kids. So when he goes to meet clients in Florida, let's just say, well, he's going to take his wife and kids and they're going to turn it into a vacation. So he understands as a business owner, he can write that off. But he doesn't understand and I had to walk through the process how that affects his partner who's now tied to the P&L. His partner's tied to the P&L. So let's say it was a 50-50 split of their revenue. If Jim, the junior guy, doesn't travel, he's not adding that expense to their business PL. So is it really fair that Bill gets to take all those trips and write it all off against the business PL? Then they split the difference. It's almost like the junior guy's paying for Bill's trips. Until you become a business owner and an entrepreneur, you don't really understand how that works. And the reality is, most advisor teams that are independent that have a partner, one or more partners, right? So two people, three people, four people. You have an LLC, the business has an LLC that all the revenue and expenses go through. If there are issues like that, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it's funny that we're doing this today and I had that meeting today. In that instance, the advice that I gave him was they run all of the direct business expenses through the business operating account. Once you get to the net number, it's all about the net, then each of those advisors takes a distribution from the company. So let's call it, let's say it's 50-50. It's a million dollars. The net is $500,000. They each take distributions of $250,000. So Bill, who travels all the time, he can take that expense where he knows where it was really for his family. He can take that expense against off of his own LLC because that $250,000 distribution goes to their own individual LLCs. So that's where bill can take that expense where it doesn't affect the junior person, Jim. It's just about structure. And then there's the whole S Corp filing, you're paying taxes in S Corp. But those are the kinds of things that you start to learn how to function and operate when you go from being a business owner, which is just simply understanding how to run an office and all that, to really being an entrepreneur, to understanding how to use tax laws, tax structure, all of those things to run your business. And so one of those sort of if you want to call it an attribute, is understanding some accounting principles, understanding how those simple math structures work, candidly having a good accounting firm that can help you with that stuff. Not that we're going to pitch on the show, but through our CFO program that advisors can use if they go independent, we can help through all of those things. To come full circle on that and to your point about risk is one of the bigger factors. And that's the separator, I think, between business owners and entrepreneurs. As an entrepreneur, you can be a business owner and not really take any risk because you can have a home office, you can work from home, you can do what you want. But to be an entrepreneur, you really have to be comfortable with risk. And I'm not saying crazy
1: risk, it's all relative. Taking a step of faith into some untested, some uncharted territory and knowing there's risk, being comfortable with the downside of that risk and doing it because the downfall is worth the potential reward.
0: Exactly. Making a decision with an unknown outcome. You can try to have every answer figured out before you make a decision, but real entrepreneurs understand that that's not possible and you have to be comfortable with the unknown and learning how to pivot. I would say over the 10 years that we've had this company, we've had to pivot over time and learn how to you make decisions on things. You hire people, they don't work out. You got to pivot. You're going in a different direction. As your industry, as our industry changes, no matter what industry you're in, they all evolve. Every industry evolves. Our industry is evolving because of, no one would really argue this, but it was evolving already, but COVID really put rocket fuel to the shift to independence. And so it evolved. And so we had to learn to pivot in terms of how we work with our clients and that some of the new business like practice dynamics that's come out, that's a pivot for us because our clients were asking us for that help. So, okay, how do we do it? That actually brings up another point and that is from the advisor's point of view, we're talking from the advisor's point of view and being a business owner and entrepreneur, but in our world, they have to look for firms that are also willing to have an advisor be that way. There's some attributes of firms that advisors need to look at Before they decide this firm, that firm, or the other firm. You can go to a firm that doesn't really want you to think that
1: way. No, they want you to think like an employee. And then there's other firms that will, they get into half-truths about being an entrepreneur where, look, essentially they're saying to you, okay, you're 1099, you're quote-unquote a business owner, but to be an entrepreneur, to go out there and take more risk, they're not really comfortable with that. They
0: limit the types of outside businesses you can have. I've been spending a lot of time, and we're not going to get into all the details because actually we'll cover it on on another episode, but I was spending a lot of time with some advisors on opportunities out there acquiring CPA practices. That was a tease, by the way. You need to pay attention to our next episode because we're going to talk about the benefits of buying CPA practices. But what if
1: you want to buy a winery? Tons of risk in that, in my personal opinion. There's plenty of firms that will, maybe they look at that or they look at wanting to get into the fringes of companies that would bring clients on, but it's like writing a book. Actually, being an author is one of these things.
0: Don't we know we have somebody that owns, what kind of scent farm? Some type of scent farm?
1: Oh, a lavender farm. Lavender farm. Yeah. She has a... Lavender I I think it's up in Michigan.
0: It's very interesting. I own a hunting club, but I'm not a financial advisor. Some firms are more open to that than other firms. And so as an advisor, if you're looking to change firms and you have to think about what do you really want to try to get accomplished, where you want to go with things, what are your desires to do in your life? If there's outside businesses, different types of things that you want to do, you have to make sure that the firm that you're going to is cool with that stuff.
1: Yeah. Are you looking at when you're talking to advisors, are you looking at it from like maybe a couple of different standpoints? One, what is the firm's liability on this entrepreneurial risk mm-hmm. mentality? And then two, does it conflict with the current revenue centers of potentially the firm they're going to go to
0: when i give advice to somebody about stuff like that or talk to them about what firms might have an issue with it it's all about risk because the firm is going to look at that and say okay if john is out there and he's got a winery and something happens what's our risk if i'm a independent firm right what's our risk because we have deep pockets And if John decides to hold a seminar at his winery, what's the risk? Or if John decides that one of his clients wants to invest with him and wants to be an investor in the winery and it goes belly up, that client is suing the firm and John is really selling away. So... They look at those types of things. What is the investment? If you want to be in real estate, a lot of firms, most firms don't have any problem with you owning a real estate portfolio. You have rentals, you have houses, you're flipping houses. They don't care. But when you start doing that with a client, now it becomes problematic if it's not done the right way. Those are the types of things that what I think is funny when we take in a client and they go from a business owner to an entrepreneur and they start to learn about all the things that they can do in what I call the real world, right? Not the W2 space, but the real world. To some degree, we have to pull them back because they can go too far out in terms of what they want to do and all these new ideas and getting away from their core businesses, which is sort of what you're saying about where the revenues are coming from, getting away from their core businesses and doing all these other things that they weren't allowed to do before. You really have to be careful and be mindful as an entrepreneur not to stretch yourself too thinly on all of these other ideas that your new firm is going to let you do. It's like a kid in a candy store almost. You have to just be really careful about that. It can be great.
1: It can be great. I, actually, this came up recently with somebody who wanted to be, I sort of laugh while I say this because I'm going to say it the wrong way, like a YouTuber. Clearly I somebody not our age. Well, no, actually a little bit older than me, but okay. recognizes the fact that, and there's, this happened a few times now, you can go get way too caught up in the content and lose focus on your clients. And it may be your dream, but it from a risk standpoint, the firm's looking at it saying, we're not comfortable with you having a YouTube channel where you can have people commenting on that content. Yeah. I mean, and there's certain platforms where I don't think you can turn off the comments. You have to be careful
0: because you can be, it can be perceived as you giving advice. If they find out, that you're a financial advisor, and all of a sudden some comment is made on that string, they theoretically, an investor who took that advice, could find an attorney that can say, you are liable because you said something positive about that stock or whatever is going on, and my client took that advice. There is an issue there that you have to be careful about. It's interesting you say that because one of the things that I talk to clients about when they're going independent, they want to do a podcast and they want to do all this other stuff, is are you doing it because you think it's going to drive revenue, like the things that you're doing, the content you're putting out? Or are you doing it for your ego? Because you want to say you're doing a podcast like this, right? Are you doing a podcast you're trying to provide guidance and advice? To your point, how much time are you spending doing it and what's the result? Your time is very valuable to you. And so you really need to make sure that you are putting the right time in And the content that you're putting out, it's not easy to do.
1: No, but look, it can have an impact, which kind of makes me think about, what are your thoughts on this wave of business owners, entrepreneurs? What kind of positive impact do you think that might have going forward? you saying social media? I'm just saying a lot of advisors putting a gap in between them and the institution, owning their own business, making a clear separation between the large institution and themselves and the client seeing that. Look, I think, yeah, the biggest impact that I see is that
0: when you're on the independent side, or what I call private practice side, most of those firms are comfortable with you as an advisor, being more open about your opinions, doing it the right way on the right platforms, but being more open about your opinions and putting out information even on you personally. Because one of the biggest things that clients look for is, do I like you? Do I like who you are? Do I like what you stand for? Do we have affinities towards each other? Are there things that you're doing? Are you a watch person or a wine person? Right? We have one client that has a wine gallery in their office.
1: Well, that's got to be a positive impact to, just in general, I guess, where I'm thinking about this is, that's probably a positive impact to what the relationship with the client could be, maybe should be. Isn't that changing now that there's more freedom it in this is, space? Is. Isn't that having a positive impact on- It is because clients are getting
0: to see, and also through social media, they're getting to see a different side of their financial advisor or they're getting to see the different side of another financial advisor because they're not happy with who they're, at, who they're with. And so now they have- an ability, because of a call at social media, a call at technology, they don't have to have a financial advisor in their backyard, right? Because through COVID, basically it's proven that you don't need to. Zoom calls great. So our one client who's in California, somebody from New Jersey might be following him. For some reason, he has a radio show and all that stuff and see that this guy's a sommelier. Someone says, I like that guy. I like how he dresses. If you're listening, he knows who we're talking about. I like how he dresses. I like his lifestyle. I like who he is as a person, his philosophies.
1: He's a wine guy.
0: I want that guy to run my money. He'll get me.
1: Or at least let me talk to him. Let me connect with him on a platform where I can can message him. So
0: before technology and these social media platforms, that client may have never had a chance to meet that person.
1: Maybe the positive in that aspect is, You go to some of these larger firms and the websites, like, you know, find an advisor and everybody looks the same. Everybody, more or less, it's the same profile. When you know they're not the same, they're individuals.
0: No, that's why the firms are trying to take the individual style out. Ultimately, the firm wants to control the client. Those firms want to control the client. They want to control what the client's doing. They want to control what the clients are going to be investing in, what's going to be recommended to them, which is sad. But it is what it is, right? And so that's why I think we're seeing this growth and this movement towards independence, private practice, because it's not right for the client. Advisors do great things for their clients. They know their clients better than the firms do. So for a firm to think, I'm going to tell Al what he should be doing with his client is ridiculous. It's insulting, candidly. And so I do think all of this stuff, not that we're going to be, you know, we're sort of going down a social media tangent hole. I think all of that stuff is great. I think it's all better for the client. The shift to entrepreneurialism in the financial advisor space is better for the clients because there's more things that the advisor can do for the client, more flexibility, more choice. The real successful entrepreneurs as financial advisors who are doing branding, social media, all of those things, they're going to be able to connect with more clients around the country that need what they're offering. At the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, I love seeing it. I love helping clients wake up to that. That's what drives us is helping them increase their income, changing their families' lives by showing them this business owner entrepreneurial space. And I think it's going to continue to grow. I think it's a train that's unstoppable. The technology is there. The math is there. You run spreadsheets all the time. The math's there. I mean, I did a spreadsheet for somebody and compared them going independent, not taking any money, no money up front, a 90% payout with a couple of underlying costs compared to taking their business and going to a wire type firm, getting 180% up front and another 125% in the back. And after 10 years, the difference in accumulated wealth was still 45% more going independent with no money. I love seeing that stuff. And I love educating advisors that are starting to, realize that they should be looking. And then when they work with them and teach them how to become entrepreneurs,
1: it's even better. So, There's an interesting message on the screen. We'll find out what that means. We'll see, we'll see. (laughs) We got got an
0: emergency interrupted on our screen. But anyway, with that said, we're glad that everybody was here. This was a great podcast. I appreciate your insight, Dell, and all the conversations you have with your clients. For everybody that was new to our show, thank you, we appreciate it. Don't forget to go to iTunes, leave a review, smash that like button whatever you're saying Ring now. the bell. Ring the bell. And don't forget to go to our YouTube channel, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa, where you can see what's going on. Although you won't be able to see that message on the computer, so I'm not really sure what that's about. We'll find out soon. Take care. See everybody next week. Good talk. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.